0: Welcome to Languagocity. I'm Christian Prater, the host of this podcast. Each episode is focused on answering this fundamental question. How and why do people learn languages? Today, we have a special guest with us here, Sean Lowen, who is a professor in the second language studies program at Michigan State University. He specializes in second language acquisition and level two classroom interaction.
1: I am a professor in the Second Language Studies program. Spanish is my second language.
0: Recently, Sean and his colleagues performed a study where they had 54 individuals learn Spanish for 15 minutes a day using a language learning app called Babbel.
1: Text chat was a kind of a big area where people were doing research to see if that was effective for language learning. And it was about probably 2015 or so that a master's student of mine asked me of mine asked me if I had heard of the app Duolingo and I was like no I've not heard of that and she's like yeah you should really check it out so you know I I checked it out and had fun playing around with it and you know you see the claims that these apps make um some of them you know very um well not very believable, maybe for those of us who have studied languages, you know, before. So, um, so after using it for a little while, I, I thought, well, somebody should do a study to see, you know, if they're really, if they really work. And I think a lot of academics at that time viewed them as very gimmicky. And so didn't really pay attention to, to them because real language learners don't use, you know, Duolingo, but that's not really, millions of people use Duolingo. So I think we should kind of understand what it's good for and what it's not good for. So so that was the impetus. So there was a Duolingo study in 2019 that came out, and then the Babel study followed on from that. That was a bit more of a rigorous quasi-experimental study.
0: The participants had developed some speaking ability, but the majority of their learning and understanding was in basic grammar and vocabulary of the language. I, I like what you said in here that... Duolingo and Babbel, those kinds of things are good supplementary materials, but they don't really help you develop the oral proficiency or the, um, the skill needed for actually speaking to other people. I read in your study that, that the people who used Babel, they did really well with grammar and vocabulary and all those basic things, except just for that oral proficiency.
1: I expected them to do well on grammar and vocabulary tests mm-hmm. because that's kind of what those apps are good for. But we did have um, an oral proficiency test, and I was surprised that I think about 60% of students did improve at least one sub-level. Um, now these were very so you know sort of novice low, novice mid, novice high. So it's not not that they went from um, not knowing the language at all to being able to tell stories in the language, but there was some noticeable development um, on an independent test that's used to certify teachers, foreign language teachers in the U S. So that was surprising to me because Babbel doesn't provide a lot of conversation practice or output practice. So yeah, that was, that was encouraging. And then a lot of, well, I don't know a lot, some of them, some of the apps, I know Busuu is one that has a um, video chat component now. So you can pay extra to have a half hour session with, you know, a first language speaker and, Mexico or whatever, you know, whatever language you're studying. So that helps supplement the kind of lack of communicative aspect that a lot of these apps lack. One of the things that was really fun is I just spent four months in Poland teaching a course, uh, two courses at a university there. The courses were in English. I um, started studying Polish on Duolingo and a bunch of other apps and online for about a year and a half before I went. So I had a lot of practice being a language learner again, and it was really fun. And when I was over there, I got to humiliate myself speaking Polish and just all the fun things that you do as a language learner. And it's, I think it's really good for researchers to remember what it's like to be a language learner again, um, because I think, you know, we do research on our, our students, on learners, and we don't always remember what it was like. So I think it was good. I enjoy languages, so I've studied a variety of them. It can be hard, um, but you have to have a good good sense of humor and just realize that you're gonna make mistakes and you just have to, you know, the more you use it, the better the better you get at it, so. And one of the reasons why I love teaching the course is because we talk about the theoretical aspects of second language learning, but almost all of them have studied the second language themselves. And so they can, you know, I try to draw on their own experiences of, you know, well, here's some theoretical aspects about motivation what were you know which of these influenced you in your learning um and i think the students who are able to make those connections well are the ones who benefit the most from the course and can really see themselves in their own development uh in through a more theoretical perspective so i think that those are the ones who really do well and and benefit So one of the things I like about second language learning is that ability to communicate cross-culturally and to engage with people that you wouldn't otherwise be able to communicate with. And although I'm not teaching language directly, I'm training people to be able to do that. When my students go out and are successful with their careers, that's very rewarding. A lot of what I do is work with graduate students. When they get their research published, um, and they've you know, gotten some, some good ideas and, and they are able to take those and develop them. So that's really rewarding as well. So it's sort of continuing the cycle of education and seeing um, my students go on to be successful in their careers as well.
0: To get the most out of using a language app a language learner must dedicate some time regularly to master key words and phrases relevant to them. Consider this, after spending some time on a lesson on Duolingo, Babel, Rosetta Stone, or whatever language program you prefer, write down as many phrases and words as you can remember. This is one way to guarantee that the material you have learned will stick in your long-term memory. Practice this spaced repetition once a day until you feel you can remember it the next week and then the next month. Eventually, you'll be able to recall what you have learned easily.
1: There are going to be circumstances that make it easier or harder to learn. It's not impossible to learn a second language to a level where you can communicate even as a as an older learner. But I think one of the things that really hurts us in the U.S. is we don't have a lot of, we don't have a lot of opportunities to interact with people who speak other languages. So we're not mm-hmm forced to use additional languages, we don't see it as a lot of the attitude is, oh, well, everybody speaks English, so we don't really need to to try too hard. Whereas in other places, um, Europe, for example, there's more of a an awareness that, well, there's a lot of people close by who speak different languages and we need to, if we want to communicate with them, we need to to study and to, to work on that. The definition of fluency would be kind of the ability to communicate with relative ease. But that's a pretty high bar, and so for me, I, you know, I think about my communications in Poland when I was probably kind of beginner, maybe beginner high level, and if I could have a successful interaction where we understood each other, where we were, you know, I'd go to a shop and I could order in Polish. I knew it wasn't grammatically correct, but Polish has a lot of grammar going on. So to me, if you're able to communicate with somebody, even at a basic level in one instance, that's to me a successful use of of language. And I think that if people get hung up on, oh, I've got to be fluent, you know, as fluent as I am in a second language, in the second language as I am in my first language, that doesn't happen. That takes years and years to happen, you know, but you can still go to, you can still study a little bit and enrich yourself and your communication by using the language, even if it's just for a few instances. I really like to look at it in that way, of what can you do in specific contexts when you're using the language? Can you use it successfully to get a sandwich or to to find your directions or something like that? My takeaway from app-based learning and you know the research studies that I've done and using them myself is that you know, people can learn uh, using them, but I think you have to have realistic expectations and you have to use them. One of the things is just the motivational aspect to stick with it can be really hard. And so, you know, there's the expression that apps are easy to pick up and easy to put down. So if you want to use a, an app to learn a language, you need to stick with it and expect slow, incremental growth.
0: Thank you for listening to Osti. Before you go, consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcasting platform you use. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Stay tuned for future episodes where I talk with other language learners and professionals about their language learning journeys. Make sure to follow Languageosity's Instagram page, Languageosity. Stay curious about language at Languageosity.